Just a friendly reminder before we begin that if you would like to make a donation to this podcast or to the local church in which I serve, you may send any donation to 563 East Main Street, Philadelphia, Mississippi, 39350, care of Henry's Chapel, UMC. Without further ado, let us dive in. Our scripture is a parable, again, from Jesus. It can be found in the 25th chapter of Matthew in verses 14 through 30. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. And as you are turning there, um, I read a quote this past week that said, the best way to keep a prisoner from escaping is to make sure that he never knows he's in prison. And that was from Dostoyevsky. And as I started thinking about that, I was like, well, what are those prisons that, that I find myself in? What are those prisons that I'm living in that I may not even realize? And as I read this parable, I started to figure, to find one, and it was the idea of, of fear that has imprisoned me. And, and how and it raises the question, how often are we motivated by fear? And yes, I, as I say that, sometimes fear is a good thing. It keeps us from harm. It keeps us from being hurt. But so often I think we justify our fear and, and, and try to say that it's a good thing because it's going to do so. Or we, we classify it as something else and we say it's not even fear at all, but it's rational decision making. And that's kind of what we hear this morning in the parable from Jesus. In Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, we hear these words from Jesus as he's talking. And he says that a man was going on a journey and he brought his slaves in and he entrusted the property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another um, he gave one, each according to their own abilities. And then he went away. He said, and Jesus goes on to say that the one who had received five talents, he went off, he traded them, and he made five more. The one who had two uh, made two more. And the, but the one who had one, who received one talent, went off and he dug a hole in the ground and, his, and hid his master's money. And after a long time, when the master came back, he asked his slaves, How much, what have you done with what I gave you? Basically, he, uh, he came to settle the accounts with them. And then the one who had received five came forward, bringing five more talents. And he says, Master, you handed over to me five. See, I've made five more. The master said, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And then the one with two said, Master, you handed me two, and I've made two. And he gives him essentially the same response. Well done. You have been trustworthy in a few. I'll charge you with many. Enter into the joy of your master. Then he gets to that person, that slave that he gave one to, and he says, the one who has received the one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. And the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I did not sow you and gather where I did not scatter. 
then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and on my return, I would have at least received what was mine with interest. He said, take the talent from him. Give it to the one with 10 talents. For to you, for to all those who have, who have, more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the first place that fear really kind of creeps up within me where I hear this is this idea of being called a worthless slave thrown into the outer darkness with weeping and gnashing of teeth. I must admit that as I read this parable and as I've read this parable throughout this week, it convicts me. This parable convicts me because through the third slave, it addresses the prison that I've so often found myself in, the prison of fear. You see, the problem isn't the actions of the third one, but his fear he, he possesses a fear of the unknown of what will happen if he tries to do something with this talent. What will happen if I try and lose? What will happen uh, if, if I try and fail? What will happen? How will my master judge me? And so he's acting out of fear of the unknown or his projected fears of what may be of failure, of judgment. And this fear keeps him from taking a risk. It paralyzes him. It keeps him from being fruitful. It keeps him from doing the will of his master. And this convicts me because I'm so often the same way. Living a life of fear, fear of rejection, failure, of judgment, and, and, and I know that most of my fears come from self and are blown way out of proportion. But too often I find myself imprisoned by fear, handcuffed and paralyzed by fear. And it keeps me from going and doing as Jesus says, go, therefore, make disciples. I find myself living in the what if and the maybe as opposed to the promises that Christ has placed on me. And, and most of my, my fear, as I've learned, stems from the ideas of insecurity, knowing that I am a sinner, that I'm a broken person, that I have places that I fall short, that I have places where I fail to be an obedient disciple. And, and I find myself living out what we hear at the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve lose sight of the fact that they've been in the garden with God, in God's presence, living in community with God, and they find themselves falling to the whim of the serpent. And as they do, they find themselves hiding because they find themselves more focused on their imperfections. They find themselves looking around and seeing that they are naked and therefore hiding their imperfections. And when God comes seeking them, they hide out of fear. 
And, and, and one of the beautiful things that, I, that, that we hear in that story of Genesis 3 is this question that God asks when he finds them or when he says, where are you? And they say, we're hiding out of our fear because we are naked. God's question is this. Who told you that? And I need to hear that question so often from God to point out the fact that I am not living into who God calls me to be because I am listening to someone, something else or someone else that's telling me that I am not who God called me to be. And God is, is reaching out saying, who told you that? But so often I allow my fear to push me into a place of shame where I don't want anyone, including God, to see these imperfections. And, and, and I choose to live in fear and hiding as Adam and Eve did, as opposed to showing these imperfections and allowing God to embrace and flood these imperfections with grace. But thank God that as I hide and as we hear over and over in scriptures, God seeks us out. He seeks me out. And, and so often I feel like I am playing a game of hide and go seek with God. And this is because I allow fear to be the greatest motivator in my life a greater motivator than even my hope and my faith. And when there is unknown, I submit to fear instead of hope. Instead of dreaming for more, I fear loss. Because we, I often find myself viewing change through the lens of what we lose or what I lose instead of what is at gain. Fear can paralyze our faith and hope because it does not look at the reality, but it looks at the perceived and it plays tricks on our minds. We begin to think irrationally and, and begin to define ourselves by what we fear. And, and this is why I began, I have found myself defining myself by failures and weaknesses and what I'm not, and losing sight of how the master defines me by his success, not my failures. That in my weakness, he is made strong because I can be redeemed by the grace of God empowered by the Holy Spirit. That, that in my brokenness, God can flood those imperfections with grace. Or as the great lyricist Leonard Cohen wrote in his song Anthem, ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. You see, this is an echoing of what we hear that, that through those imperfections, God's light can shine. And, and that we need not to fear, I need not to fear these imperfections 
I need not to fear because as we hear in 1 John 4, 18, perfect love casts out fear. We're called by Jesus in the gospel of Matthew to come to him like children. And I'm reminded of when I was a child, I had far less fears. Because when I was a child, I came to everything open. I didn't have backstories or any preconceived notions to compare things to. I just experienced the world for what it was with no fear. And the reality was, is so often as a child, I did not have fear because I knew that, for instance, if I was riding my bike and fell and scraped my knee, if I failed, if I was not good enough, if something was to happen, that my parents would be there to pick me up, to embrace me, to kiss those wounds, to, to tell me that I was good enough to make me whole again. And that's what Christ is saying. Do not live out of fear because in those moments where you may fall short, I am there to pick you up. I am there to make you whole. I am there to heal those wounds. It is in those moments where God is saying, do not fear, as we hear over and over. In Isaiah 43, we hear, do not fear, for when you pass through the fire, I will be with you. And when, the, and when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. The waves and the flames, they will not overcome you because I am the Lord your God. But so often, Fear speaks louder. We lose sight of this fact. You see, the motivation behind, in our parable, the motivation behind the actions is what drives the judgment. The motivation of those that were given five or even two was to do the work of their master. However, the motivation of the one given one talent was that of fear. And so often, I, like that slave, have used the excuse that my gifts are not modest or that they're not significant, that I'm not going to be able to do enough with it, hoping to show a motivation of humility. But knowing deep down in all actuality, I'm being motivated out of fear and insecurity of what if. And it's all in a connection of that becomes, I'm not good enough. What if I'm not good enough? What if I don't do this? What if I don't succeed? And God is screaming at me, so what? You're good enough. I have called you mine. Live into me. You may not be good enough in, your, in this earthly vessel, but if you are seeking my will and seeking to further my kingdom, we will always fall forward. And therefore, we need not to fear failure. 
Because there is no failure in Christ. It's in these moments that I need to hear that question. I need to hear God look at me when I say, what if I'm not good enough to look at me and say, who told you that? Because what God is ultimately calling me to and what God is calling all of us to is to use what has been given to us. To stop trying to mask who we are and to, to be who God created us to be. To further the totality of the kingdom because God created us for a purpose and to stop living in fear of what if we don't fulfill that purpose, but to strive to live into who God created us to be. The questions that arise as I hear this text, the questions that I may not even have answers to are those things of what am I willing to risk for the sake of love and grace and forgiveness? My desire is to say that I'm willing to risk it all, but those moments that fear still creeps in, I know that it's not true, but... What we're called to this morning is to hear that and say, I'm willing to risk everything because God, your perfect love and grace and mercy cast out all fear. What does it mean to us to invest our lives for the sake of the kingdom? And as I hear that of investing my life, all that I am for the goodness of God, if I'm honest, I think we can oftentimes become fearful of what it means. Because it doesn't mean just the good things. It doesn't mean just the ideas of what I want to make seem. It doesn't mean that, I, honestly, what it tells me is that I'm no longer in control. I don't get to control the image that others see of me. However, what I say is, here I am, God, and all that I am, my brokenness and my shame and everything that I am, take and use me. And that can be scary because we don't want to be cast out into the darkness. We don't want be thrown into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. But this parable is not to evoke fear, but is a warning against fear. And is a call to live in hope and in faith. It's a call to come out of our hiding. It's a call to ring the bells that can still ring, to forget the perfect offering, and to let the light shine. Amen and amen.